Welcome to we are on Mizmor 37. This is the final day of our doing this Mizmor. And we've already analyzed in depth the content of the Mizmor and what David is trying to convey. Uh, and the last Pasuk we did was Pasuk Kaf Zayn, which brought us to the letter Samech. Again, this Mizmor goes in the Aleph Bet order. Okay? So we said, Sur Turn from evil and do good. And thereby you will dwell securely forever. And we explained at the end of yesterday's shiur that a person, if they want to do good, they must first extract themselves out of the evil that they're in. Otherwise, they'll, you know, they're getting pulled in multiple directions. But if a person wants to really change his life, they must separate from the evil. Okay? Pasuk kafchet ki Adonai ohev mishpat velo hasidav leolam For God loves justice. And he will not leave his followers, his pious, forever. They will be guarded forever. However, the seed of the wicked will be cut off. Okay? So, what does it mean that the seed of the wicked will be cut off? So, I think... What it's, I think the metaphor is that if you, if you typically, what do you cut? You cut down the tree, right? Not the seed. But in this case, you cut down the seed. It means maybe you, you cut it off before it even has a chance to grow. Maybe, or it could mean something else. I'm not exactly sure what the exact meaning of the metaphor is, but the seed of the wicked will be cut off. It's obviously something bad will happen to the Sadiqim. To the Rishaim, sorry. Kaftet, Pasu Kaftet. Sadiqim Yirishu the righteous will inherit the land and they will dwell on it forever. What land is it referring to here? They will inherit the land and they will dwell on it forever. It could be either the physical world or it could be Olamaba. Olamaba is sometimes described as the Eretz, the land. Right? So the Tzadikim will conquer or will, will inherit the land and they will dwell on it forever. And now... For this final part of the, of the Mizmor, he's going to go into some of the characteristics of a tzaddik. What does a tzaddik do? How does he behave? Okay? The mouth of the righteous, of the tzaddik, utters wisdom. It speaks wisdom. And his tongue speaks justice. The Torah of his God is in his heart, meaning the Torah of Hashem is in his heart. It's like uh, to falter, to slip. So his steps will not falter. However, the Rasha waits for the Sadiq. And wants to kill him, but Adonai lo Hashem will not leave the tzaddik in the hands of the wicked. and he will not let him be condemned when he gets judged. So let's say the the meaning of the pasuk yarshiyanu comes from the word rasha. Okay, yarshiyanu comes from the word rasha. Now, what does rasha typically mean? An evil person, right? So, it's not only in Tanakh, Rasha actually has two meanings. Rasha could mean the evil one. But when you have a court case, and you have 
the winner of the court case and the loser of the court case. The loser could also be described as Rasha. So, is the loser of a court case necessarily a Rasha? Is he, necessar- sorry, is he necessarily evil? No. You could have an honest, you could have an honest, two honest men who come to a valid disagreement and they bring their case to the court. Now, in Tanakh language, the one who is Zakai, the one who, is, who, who wins, and the one who loses will be called the Zakai and Rasha. Actually, they'll actually call the, the one who is right the Tzaddik, and they'll call the one who, is, who is, loses the court case Rasha. It doesn't mean that they are respectively Tzaddikim and Rashaim. This is the same things that we use to describe a person's character, is used in the, in the world of justice and the, the court system as, as what's, the, what's the word in English? Um, guilty and innocent, let's say. Or, uh, or I don't winner, know. What, winner and loser. Winner and loser. Yeah. Hold on. So in this case, whenever I'm just going into the language of this pasuk, God does not let the tzaddik fall into the hand of the wicked, and he does not let him be found guilty when he gets judged. So that's how you would interpret that pasuk. Uh, there is a... In which parasha? Let me try to remember which parasha. I think it's in Devarim somewhere. That when it goes through the court case and it's going through the, the obligation of the courts to give the, the malkut penalty, to, to give a thing, lashes. And it says, If the person who was found guilty is worthy of being struck. Now, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that he's a wicked man, it means that he was found guilty. Okay. Okay. Put your hope in Hashem and follow His ways. And He will raise you to inherit the land. And when the wicked are cut, you will see it. And these psukim, they have to be analyzed. Because, you know, we read them as nice. Mm-hmm. But they're also the a little bit... There's a depth. Forget the depth. There's also some... I, it's hard to understand what it, what it means. What is the angle of the pasuk? Is the pasuk describing a reality that's always that always holds true, or is the pasuk more of a motivation for tzaddikim to continue in the way of tzitkut even when it's not good for them? The reason I ask is because look at this pasuk, pasuk lamedal that we just read. Have faith in God and follow His ways, and He will raise you up to inherit the land. So first of all, we've said multiple times, it's not always immediate. Yes. That, the tzaddik, that the tzaddik gets the land, right? Yes. So he says he will raise you up to inherit the land. So if he's talking about the physical world, that he'll raise you up to, con- to become successful in this world, that's not always true. Sometimes the biracha that the tzaddik gets come through his kids or his yes. grandkids. Oh, yes, yes, 100%. Right? So you could say sometimes it comes after the tzaddik's life is over, you know? So you could say, when he says, and you'll inherit the land, he's talking about olam abba. Correct. Okay, maybe. That's a um, com- very common interpretation for these psukim. Now look at the next part. And when the wicked are cut, cut off, you will see. Not every tzaddik gets see. to see the end of the wicked. A lot right. of people die before that happens. Because right. as we said in this very mizmor, 
it's some, it takes very often patience and long run thinking for the tzaddikim to see the benefits of their, of their actions. But at the same time, it is very often the short run benefits that come with being a rasha. The short run, short lived benefits, right? So, so it's interesting that he's saying this because when the wicked are cut down, you will see. He's as if he's speaking to the reader. So for that reason, I'm more inclined to say that a lot of these mismor, mismorim are more motiva- motivation. Now, is it, I'm not saying like exaggeration, no, but, but when you're motivating someone, tell them, you'll see it, don't worry, don't you'll worry. see the don't berachai, worry. don't worry. Don't worry. Now, a lot of the benefits that we're talking about, you don't necessarily see in this world. You see in the next world. But, or your kids see it. Or your kids see it, as we said. But, so I, what I'm trying to say is that these mizmonim are beautiful, but we also have to understand in, in what context they're being said. Can we use every pasuk of the mizmor to build a philosophical rule about the world that's always true? And you know, not, I, I don't think that's what the mizmor's purpose is. I think, I think you have to be a little bit more sophisticated when you read the pasukim. Okay? The pasuk, obvious thing is what we see is because of our fathers. Yes. Right. Yes. Pasuk Lamed yeah, we, we are seeing it. Yeah, and you see it. Exactly. The blessing. You see the bl- all the people who talking about Medinat Israel, or it says Yom Asma'u today. So today, I was going with someone, uh, we were driving from Yerushalayim to Tel Aviv, and as you drive from Yerushalayim to Tel Aviv, and you start to see the amount, and how developed the area of Tel Aviv, Ramat Gan, all these, Petah Tikva, Kiryat Ono, all of these cities are, he was the guy in the car, he was like, if, if an anti-Semite were to drive the street, like, 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 look at this, look at what's become. And all of this beracha, and, and you know, we were just, my in-laws were just in Morocco. So I'm always, I always, always, anytime I go to another country, I compare it to Israel. I want to say, like, where does They're Israel, behind. where does Israel stand? Morocco has been around forever. They've, we, we don't know, like, I don't know how long this kingdom has been around, but it's the same, it's, it's been Muslim since, 1100 CE. By the way, they are good with the Jews. Very yeah, good. yeah, of Very course. Good with the Jews. But are the streets as well kept as the ones in Israel? Are the buildings as nice as the ones in Israel? Is, do you see as much industry? Do you see people that have, you know, have succeeded? Are they, they, are they as present? Now, it's a much bigger country. It's 40 million people. Israel, 7 million people. So there are, obviously, there are wealthy people everywhere. But I'm saying you compare and... We tend to, a lot of actually Israelis tend to complain, oh, it's hard to make Parnassah in Israel, this, that. Go try to make Parnassah in Morocco. Like, There's like, more uh, billionaires now in Israel than there is many other countries. There, it's it's <laughs> much more, so, so why, why did I even bring this up? I bring this up because it, it made me very proud. Right? You, you look see, at other countries we and you see. here that maybe our children are seeing Right. Seeing now, when the people were fighting for the country and were dying in the wars, they... This mitzvah that they did, that they put their life on the line, not all of them saw the immediate benefits. Not all of them, in, not talking about inheriting the land, not all of those tzaddikim inherited the land. Right? But their grandkids, they, boy, did they inherit the land. Right? They're seeing it. Okay. The, the amount of biracha that we're experiencing in Israel today is, you know, who could have imagined we would get to such a point? You know, we're, we're like... We're not there yet. I mean, there's still a lot of issues. But where we've gotten, where Borei Olam has miraculously brought us. Let me read us, it. He told us. A couple of more psukim, and then I want to share um, something Rabbi Ton said last night. Okay. Ra'iti 
Rasha Aritz umitareke is Rahra Anan. I've seen that I the wicked. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the wicked who is firmly rooted and he's uh like a like a well watered tree in its native soil. And then he passed away and he's gone. Or he passes and he's gone. Meaning you see a Rasha and he looks like he's well rooted and he's he's like a native tree that's being freshly watered. But then and you think that, it looks like that. But then a little bit of time goes by and like what hap- what happened? Hollywood, to them? Hollywood, Hollywood. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what happened to them? One day they're on top of the world and the next day Hollywood. they're forgotten. Hollywood. Okay. He passed away and he was gone. I look for him. Oh, where is this guy? He's completely forgotten. He was on top of the world. I always say that it's a, the classic uh, example. Is try to find a Nazi in 1946. Right after World War II. Who, who would claim that they're a Nazi in 1946? They would get, get a beat up on the street. Right? Okay? So they're, they're all gone overnight. So maintain innocence and seek out is like look for being straight because for there's a future because there isn't good end for the man of peace. The transgressors, the people who, who sin, they will be destroyed together. The future of the wicked is cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from Hashem. He is their ma'uzam. Is Hashem is their ma'oz. Hashem is their strength. Hashem is their fortress in times of trouble. This, I can't convey how true it is. How important it is to be able to rely on Hashem in times of trouble. That extra, that extra push, that extra energy you get in times of trouble when you know that Borei Olam has a plan and that you could... You know, do your best and rely on him for the rest. There's nothing like that. That's Yeshua that's, that's Hashem. God helps them and he rescues them. He rescues them from the Rishayim and he saves them. And why does he do that for the Tzaddikim? Because they took refuge in Hashem. Okay, so when we take refuge in Hashem, Hashem is with us. We get through it. He saves us from the Rishayim. He gives us an end. He gives us a future. And that is the, the beauty of this Mizmor is, that, is, is what we've come away with from this Mizmor is that if you want to be a tzaddik, it takes a little bit of maturity. It takes a little bit of maturity because you have to realize that that greatness that the tzaddik ha, that Rasha has right now is fleeting. And if you continue in your path and you separate from bad and you cling to Borei Olam and you really, really take refuge in Borei Olam, and you follow his ways, the in the long run, maybe not in this generation, but maybe in your kids' generation, They're gonna... or maybe not in this world, but in the next world, you will see the benefits. Now it takes a lot of maturity because we're not promising instant gratification. That's not what the Torah is all about. That's the beauty. That's but, the beauty. but it requires more. It requires more maturity than the instant. Kids want instant gratification. Yes. Adults are wise and Actually, they see the, everybody But an adult, a wise person, should see that there is uh, benefits in the long run. Now, quick, we do have, let's say, a minute. Rabbi Tono was saying something brilliant last night, which I thought, I, never, I didn't really think about much, but today is Yom Ma'ut. So today is He'iyar. It's the day in which the declaration that Israel would be an independent state was made by Ben Gurion in the Knesset. 
And, and that's the day on which the state of Israel is officially formed. Now, Rabbi Tono is pointing out that the fact that the people, that the founders made this declaration to declare a state was a miracle in and of itself. The fact that they had the courage to declare that there would be a state was a miracle. Why is it a miracle to just what? They just get up in the Knesset and say there's a state. After, after what happened. No, no, no. Yeah, he was explaining <laughs> this. He said, how many airplanes did the Arab armies have? Let's say 50. He said Israel had zero. Zero. How many tanks? Let's say 60. Israel had one. How many artillery cars? The Arabs had 70. Israel had two. They had America, uh, Britain and France were selling weapons to the Arabs because the assumption was that the Arabs would kill the Jews and you always want to side with the person who's going to win. Okay? So they were selling things to Jews. America had declared an arms embargo and refused to sell any weapons to the Israelis at all. So Israel's there. They declare, if they declared the state, there would have been immediate attack by armies who which, which are armed and your people aren't even armed. Which happened. And it happened. So the ability to declare the Medina when you know that almost certain destruction will come upon you, if you do, first of all, it showed that they believed and they valued, they valued building the country more than their lives. This mission for them was more important. There are some things in life that are more important than an individual life. And for them, this was bigger than their lives. They knew it was certain destruction if they declared the state. They knew there was going to, their kids were going to go into war and probably all of them would be killed. But they declared the, they declared the, the Medina anyways. Now, Rabbi Ton says something very, very nice. There's always a discussion and a debate over, over the, the fact that the founding of the Medina was done by people who were, were not Shomer Torah Mitzvot. But he made, he made a very nice point, Rabbi Ton said. He said that every, every Jew has this spark of, of Yahadut in them. There's no Jew who completely loses the spark of Yahadut. Maybe there are a few Jews who actually lose the spark. But well-meaning Jews, they have this spark of Yahadut, of this Jewish identity in them. And he said, that spark doesn't go away. And sometimes, miraculously, that spark just grows and it becomes super, super high for a little bit of time. And he said he believes that's what happened to the people who founded Israel. They weren't religious men in the sense that we know. No, none of them kept the Torah. There were very few religious Zionists so at the time. They came out of uh, the Holocaust. Is not they, they, weren't, they weren't founding the country to be a Medina that follows the Halakha and that everybody should keep Shabbat and that they should follow the Torah and this and that. They were founding the country for practical reasons. They wanted to get away from anti-Semitism. They thought this is what, what, it had, what you needed to do. But in order to do it, to be able to fight for Am Israel in a way that you know your life is going to end as a result of this fight, and many did, that required this level of, of Jewish identity, which Rabbi, according to Rabbi Tone, was purely it was, a, it was a miracle. The fact that they had that strong belief and that ability to do what they did was a miracle. So there are miracles all around, okay? And it's something we should appreciate. Um, now, I, I said this, I came back from Israel a couple of weeks, what, three, four weeks ago. And COVID is over. It's time to go back to Israel. It's time to go visit as much as we can. There's no, there's no excuse for, I haven't been to Israel in 20 years. 
What's that? I haven't been to Israel in 20 years. Is that not your country? It's the only state we have. We have to go, learn about it, support it, learn the language, do everything we could so we could be a part of this. Because this is, this is just the beginning. Hashem, this should turn into the Geulah. Mashiach should come. But if we take our 20 year breaks from going to Israel, when Mashiach comes, we're going to feel like we have, no, we have no part of it. So we should go back. But there are a lot of... It's the best vacation you can take anyway. It's the best vacation also. You go to the hotels, you could actually eat something. You don't have to struggle. <laughs> the breakfast. No, breakfast. 100%. If you want to be like a very, very strict, okay, fine. But 99% of the hotels, you could eat something. Um, and we should, go, we should go back. There are a lot of programs now. There are businessmen are going like when you're I don't know when you're you have an ability when your kids are older you can go for three days sit in a yeshiva I've seen business people do it it's possible we should all make an effort it should be a motivation we should go back as a value we, should have a we shabbat shouldn't shabbat let time in Israel. We, we should we have to work on it we're gonna plan one Bezer Hashem we want to plan a Shabbaton in Israel at some point. Thursday night, come back Sunday. Something like that. Okay, so Bez Hashem, we should all, we should all take pride in Medina Israel. Today is a happy day. If you see, I, I shaved in honor of today also. Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen, amen. Hazzak, Baruch